guys, welcome to the show. Today uh, we got Marty from The Candy Fact on the show. Um, we're privileged to have Marty on the show. He's a local custom painter here in Perth. He runs The Candy Fact and is the president of the True Riders Lowrider Club. Um, today we get to chat with Marty about custom paint, a few of his builds and a few restoration things. So hope you enjoy the show. Um, welcome, Marty, the man behind Candy Fact and the president of True Riders Low Rider Club. How are you, bro? Thank you very much. Cheers, bro. Yeah, pretty good. Um, hot week, as you know, being in Perth, it's been a yeah, it's been a real hot one, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been insane. Yeah, have you uh, you're, you have to work in overalls and things, or at least long sleeve, because I know you work in like the mining sector. Yeah, yeah. So my work. Um, the day job that involves full, as you can imagine, uh, like mind spec, long sleeve, long pants. So there's no escaping it. Like, <laughs> you know, you can, you can roll your sleeves up now and again, but yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty much, um, you have to be covered because, you know, just, just because of the industry standards. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't, uh, during the day. Yeah. <laughs> Workshops <laughs> hot as well. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself then, how you got into the industry? Um, You've you're obviously from the UK. You moved to Australia and and you've started a lowrider club. Yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, originally from London. Um, I, I guess going back as as to how I got into the industry. Um, you know, leaving school, always wanted to do something with cars, and um, knew that that was going to be my direction of what I wanted to do. I being in an office and sitting down behind a desk just wasn't for me. I always knew that had to be hands on doing something so i like the idea of working with cars so you know straight out of school signed up with college like tech and then looked at doing vehicle body repair and in the first year i guess you do um you do a bit of both you do a bit of uh, panel beating and you do spray paint in the second year you decide which route you want to go down and i always wanted to be the one that put the shiny coat on the car and have the the satisfaction of standing back and looking there and saying you know what i did that so first year you get your hands wet you know you get your feet wet and you, you do a bit of um uh panel for it and then the second year you go off and you know you you're straight into uh your start well start of your apprenticeship into painting and during that i was able to get me and two others were able to get a an apprenticeship at a, a pretty big body shop at the time in in the city and from there that kind of gave me my exposure to the collision world and really from the start of not knowing one end of a car to another after 19 years of being there I was painting the um, Aston Martins at the time the body shop was one of two in the UK at, at that time that was Aston Martin approved repairer so it was pretty cool to be working on that kind of caliber of car and just seeing everything, how, how it went down in a body shop from, you know, when they come off the tow truck fully smashed up to them being on the line, being checked, they're looking brand new, like nothing ever happened and they're out the door. So I was only thinking about this the other day, but that kind of, that, that exposed me right there to, I guess on the Astins at least, they had to be done obviously to a standard that was, approved by the OEM so those cars would get painted and then they would get flow coated and that yeah you, you could definitely see the difference in say like gloss level when yeah, you had 
the Aston Martins today, they, they get fully cut and buffed, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, even back in college, we, we were lucky enough to, to go through the Aston Martin factory and see them get hand-built where they where they would build a car to a spec and then actually strip it again if a customer wanted um, different specs on it. Um, everything's hand-polished, hand um, it's built and the guy's name is on the car after. So when you're repairing them, you're kind of, your standards have to be kind of up there as well. And just to see those cars get painted, look perfect, and then they get flatted down like up with 600, go back in the booth and then flow coat again. Um, yeah, as I say, you'd, you'd really notice the difference between your everyday production finishes and then one of the Astins or, you know, the Jags or something that were going out that have had the extra work on them. Um, so yeah, that was that was my introduction. Really, I had a I had a pretty cool start where I did start off there for nine years, and then I bounced between a couple of body shops. Um, and this was around this is going back to around two thousand and seven, two thousand and I know probably before that ninety nine. I'd say I probably entered the trade, and even then we were using Standox um, Standox solvent. And it was only a year or two, probably 18 months, that we went over to Waterbase. So when I eventually made it over here to Australia through the skilled migration, because at that time, Australia were really, they were struggling for skilled tradesmen. And you could, you had the option of, you know, applying. And if you met all the criteria, then you could move over here. So that was what I went for. Had a had a look around, didn't really see myself going much further than where I was at and thought, you know what, I didn't have any ties. I said, you know what, let's do it. So I applied for my visa and then, um, yeah, ended up on the on the Gold Coast where I went back to painting solvent, <laughs> which was pretty funny. And that was yeah. that was back in 2000 and 2008, yeah, around then. So I had to go back and get used to painting solvent when I was on the Gold Coast. Um, I know body shops now over here are slowly, you know, they're moving over to water. Um, but yeah, that that there was that was a bit of a change coming over here, and then obviously yeah. getting getting used to the heat as well because the heat the heat will knock you when you're from when you're from the UK, and your your, your summers are like high twenties, and then you come over here and the heat and the humidity, yeah, that that really makes makes a difference. So how did you end up? You're in the Gold Coast. How did you end up in Perth on the other side? Yeah, I ended up having an old um, an old schoolmate who was over here. And we always, we were talking back and forth and he said, you know, you have to come over here. Um, I ended up actually going back home and that's where, that's where True Riders comes into it because I ended up going back home for about 18 months or just under. And then I built a Mercedes 1974 uh, Merc on, on bags, dropped it and ended up going to a couple of shows and then meeting like-minded people and ended up meeting a few guys from True Riders over there. Um, and that's my, that's my that was my start into getting into the club. And then I decided after a short while, I'm actually moving back to Australia. So I had to sell everything, pack everything up. And then, you know what, let's give Australia another go again. And I ended up um, coming back over and I was already affiliated with the club. And, you know, once, once you're in and, they're like, well, you know, we don't have anyone over there in Australia, so you're the first. So you're kind of like the lead in hand. <laughs> so yeah. that's yeah, that, that's how I'm in the position that I'm in now. And there's, um, you know, I've got 
10 members now over here in Perth. We've got a guy in Vic. But the club is the club is worldwide. We've got about 11 chapters all over from where it started in the UK. It branched off to um, one of the guys moved to Texas. So it's all in the States now, New Mexico, Colorado, Las Vegas, Hawaii. I think at one point we had guys um, in Japan. I'm not, sure, I'm not quite sure if that's yeah, still going on now. But yeah, as, as far as us over here in Perth, you know, we're a – we're a relatively small club because we're still fairly new, um, but great bunch of guys. And yeah, the caddy that we'll obviously go into a bit later on is one of my members that I'm working on at the minute. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a cool. That's pretty cool. Japan, even yeah. that's uh, what it like. I didn't imagine that um, people from the UK would be into low riding, but I've just finished. I don't know if you saw. I, I just did some work on JJ sixty four. That yeah. thing, like insane. Um, yeah. He's also English. Like, what's the what's the deal with English people being into American um, low riding? Well, it really isn't um, the nationality. Low riding is worldwide. So, you know, like just like I mentioned, like Japan, um, Ireland, Hawaii, it is. It's absolutely everywhere, and it, it's it's a culture before it's um, really to do with cars. So. It, it, it's, there's no surprise really that it's in all corners of the world because it's just spread that far. And if you like, if you like that style and you like that culture, it doesn't really take much to low ride anything. So the cars are a bit different in the UK because obviously it's a little bit harder to get hold of the, um, the American stuff. And, um, you know, we've got some nice us cars in, in the club in the UK. Um, but you know, the, the Mercs, the uni bodies and that are a bit easier to get hold of, obviously being in Europe. Uh, yeah, so that's when the flavour of cars will change slightly. When you look at, say, the UK to obviously Australia, we get a we get a larger selection of US cars here. So for us, you know, you're going to see us in the Caddies and the Lincolns and the Chevys and that, and probably a bit, a bit more of the Merc, maybe the BMs, the whole Euro look over there. But yep. yeah, it, it, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And then. At some point in time, you got into the custom side of things. Yeah, so moving over here, I guess the the, the first job I landed um, went from vehicle painting to industrial paint, and that's the job I still remain in to this day. So more into like protective coatings when it moves into the mining industry, and I've been in that game now for 12, 13 years where, you know, it, it's like a cousin of spray painting. It's still... Um, related but your products and your procedures are different um, in a way it's a bit stricter when you're working on uh, mining equipment but the passion for painting cars was always still there that never went away I knew I didn't really want to um, go back into a body shop kind of environment um, or at least in collision repair and moving over here to Perth with mining being so big it gave me a different it gave me an opportunity to have a look at something else and then from there branched off if you know if if you're not aware and you're listening from another part of the world wa is very um it's very big on mining so we have lots of resources and minerals here pretty much everything in in perth is going to be somehow mining related so that kind of exposed me to doing other stuff like my crane ticket my rigging ticket i got to work away in the mines for a bit you know um just on some shutdown work i did that for a few years and it was kind of a break just from being in that booth all day um every day in that collision lifestyle so i guess it's given me a bit of freedom to do other stuff on the side as well but the passion for painting cars was always 
still there. But now I get to really choose and pick my jobs and I get to really hone in and focus on the types of jobs that I like doing. And I decided to take the sideline business, the candy factory, a bit more serious in 2016 when I, you know, decided to register the business and look at doing things a bit more, I guess, professional. And since then, I've been looking at maybe trying to join the dots as to maybe stepping out of the industrial game and doing what I do on the side full time. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to do that yet, but I know, I think, I think a change is coming and I really enjoyed the kind of work that I do on the side. And I think, yeah, I mean, this year or maybe next, something something needs to happen because I've still got that itch I need to scratch. I really enjoy my type of work. So you can imagine working uh, a minimum 40 hours a week and I'm still trying to paint cars and do stuff in the evenings, weekends. So a lot of my time is taken up, which I guess I need to give a shout out to my partner who's who tolerates the hours that I work. <laughs> Because a lot of people, when they when they look at my Instagram, I still get guys messaging me and they say, "Hey, where's your shop?" And I'm like, "No, nah, I don't have a shop. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing it in my spare time." And um, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know that, and they want to turn up and maybe get a quote on something. And I'm like, "No, nah, you know, it's it's appointment only." And I pretty much take one job at a time until it's done, and then that kind of rolls into another job. So yeah, there's there's always there's always work there and yeah, I've been, I've been kept very busy doing what I love. Yeah. So for those who don't know, um, Marty does like crazy candy jobs with, you know, low rider striping and, and all sorts of crazy custom stuff. So what sort of, how many hours are you putting into these builds on the, as a side business then? Oh, I try to think of this, um, at least on the job I'm doing now. And I did start counting the hours at the start, but it's quite easily, you know, you can quite easily lose track um, of, of where you're at if you don't um, pay full attention. And it's it's a hard one to answer. I know that if you look at this caddy that I've been on now, we started stripping it and looking at the body work back in uh, March last year. And when you consider... You know, most of the days taken up or all of the days taken up by work. So you're only really chipping away evenings and weekends. Um, and we're at a point now where the car is is fully candied out uh, inside and out. And now I'm doing the patterns on the roof, um, down the side and the boot or the trunk, you know, if you're listening from the States. So, I mean, I had a, I had a rough calculation of where I might be at. I might be into like 400 plus hours and what I'm doing, but and then I, I could be way off. Um, things kind of, do they speed up or do they slow down when you get into the patterns? I mean, to put the car all in one color, uh, as you know, even if it's candy or not, the, the the steps that you need to go to just to get there are immense. And that car was typical 80s acrylic. Um, we had to paint strip that. So, you know, we had, we had a few weekends there of just paint stripping, taking stuff back down to bare steel, putting it in epoxy before we could even start looking at really, you know, how much body work was involved. Um, it, that's, that's something that I, it's pretty hard for me to do because I'm not in a, I'm not in a full shop and I'm not doing it all the time, but because it is my mate's car, we, we looked at it and it did look pretty clean. Not that you know what's underneath and, you know, touch wood, there wasn't that many um, ugly surprises underneath there when we stripped it back. So I, I would normally give that to someone else, you know, contract that part out if I felt 
the car had a lot of work and it had a lot of stories to tell underneath, you know, the old paint, I would get a panel beater involved in that one. And I have done in the past, but with this one, I'm trying to take on just that little bit more because when, when you do that, you are leaving that first stage of the job in the hands of somebody else. And with the amount of hours you have to put in these cars to make them look how they look with the patterns, the gold leaf in, um, you know, the amount to clear the flow coating that you have to do. It's, you know, you really want to make sure it's done right from the ground up. And I've done that on this one myself and I'm slowly starting to delve in and just take on that little bit more of the bodywork side, which I actually did enjoy in this one. Um, that's when I got the, um, the blocks from big kids and yeah, they, they did help out pretty well. Pretty good on this one. I'm, um, I've also, I was listening to your, your other cast the other day and the, um, I was looking at the linear blocks as well, which I might start to invest in and have a look at those. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The choices out there are crazy and they're good. They're very good. Um, So, yeah, I mean, yeah, back to your original question, the hours, the hours that go into it. um, We've, we've reached a point now where we're kind of like on this particular job, it's done when it's done. And we're just looking at the progress and making sure we do everything right along the way. Um, I'm at a point now where the colors down, the patterns are down and I'm gold leafing and I'm, you know, striping in between it. Um, what is your, uh, I did want to ask, what's your gold, gold leafing process? Um, <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah. Ten, 10 years of getting it wrong and every now and again, you get it right. Um, you using the right products as well. Um, you know, quick dry or slow dry. I mainly use quick dry because I want to be able to work over the size uh, within, you know, like an hour. So depending on what I'm doing, I may mark out, say if I'm just running down the side of a car, I'll uh, tape it up either side. Then I'll uh, lay down the size, remove the tape. But it's all about timing as well. I mean, that that part there just sounds quite easy, like lay the tape, lay the size, but it's knowing when to pull, knowing when to pull the tape um, and not have it string up on you because if the string goes anywhere, then obviously you're not going to end up with that crisp edge. So it's little things like that that you'd make a mistake 10, 20 times and then you might just change a little something along the way um, over, over the times you do it and you'll notice that that little change you did made a big difference and you think okay well i'll note that down and I'll, I'll keep doing that for now and then you end up um slowly perfecting everything you're doing along the way to the point where you can pull the tape pull the leaf and you'll end up with a nice crisp clean edge um but yeah it depends what i'm doing if i'm if i'm using variegated and i'm using uh say thin three mil then i would i would probably lay it down and then pull my pull my tape up and then lay the leaf. Whereas maybe if I'm spinning it, I may leave the tape either side and then turn it. Um, yeah, all, all kind of depends. You know, temperature as well, products you're using, the type of leaf um, could be very finicky as well because that stuff is so thin. You can't have any wind around you, no fans on, no breeze. You've only got to blow the leaf and you can tear it. Um, yeah, it's um, Pretty tricky stuff to work with, but once you get it down packed and you've you've done it enough times, you know how to handle it and how to prepare your environment the right way to be able to do a nice um, leaf job. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those things that it, it pays off in the end because it's a pretty cool result. Yeah, most definitely with the um, with the variegated that's got the 
get acid stain in there. You can, um, yeah, you can definitely get some nice effects with that. Or even if it's just 24 karat and you lay that down and you turn it with the um, the turning tools, that's always that's always a winner in my eyes because when you catch that and move it in the light, it looks like it's you know it's spun and it's moving. Um, any any gold leaf really will bring class to a job, and it it looks the part. I think all cars, or at least all low riders, anyway, they need some gold leaf. Yeah, the one that's on uh, the car I was talking about before, JJ's one with all the engraving that sets that thing off big time too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ's, if um, those who are listening haven't seen it, that's um, that's a car that is. I think everything's been touched on that one. Uh, he's representing the west coast of Australia pretty well on that. Yeah. He was. Uh, they mentioned that I think it at over a hundred thousand dollars worth of engraving. Yeah, I'd believe that. Most <laughs> definitely. That's yeah. crazy. So we touched on. We're going to bring up the orange caddy that you're currently working on. Um, I'd I'd recommend everyone jumping onto the Candy Fact Instagram page and having a look. Do you want to talk us through that one because that's pretty wild. Yeah. So that one was. Um, that originally was a car that me and another mate of mine brought over from. LA back in 2012 we brought over two of them and that had done I think it had done maybe one other owner before my friend ended up buying it and so it kind of did full circle and ended up back in the club just original white clean uh, like red velour interior and um, it was it was clean you know put it on a set of wires it was a nice clean street car and it comes to the point where we were always talking about paint and it finally got down to him saying, you know what, I'm ready for some paintwork now. This is what I want. And he decided that we were going to go with patterns on the roof and then have them flowing down into the boot, into the trunk. And the body was going to be white. So we we're going to take everything back to bare steel, make sure it's nice and clean underneath. And it was just going to be a clear over base job. Pretty simple. Um apart from the patterns, they're always going to take time. But we, you know, we spoke about what we did and I I did a nice test panel uh, for him to, you know, say, yeah, I like that. Let's change this. Let's do this. And it was pretty much set. And we had the car. We started the job back in March. We started stripping it. And he started looking through my cupboard that had all my um, candy color chips in there. And he pulled out one of the orange ones, like burnt orange, like a Phoenix orange, I think, from another brand, um, all candy. And he kind of like took it outside in the sun and I could see him staring at it. And I thought something's going on here. And sure enough, he came back and he said, Hey man, we got to do this car and candy. <laughs> so in, in, in one, in one afternoon, the car went from being clear over base white to yeah, full on candy job. So then it kind of changed what we were doing with the patterns and the, the, the color scheme. And where do you draw your inspiration that? from for all your patterns? Like, how do you come up with that sort of stuff? Um, it's a mixture, you know, you do a lot of, you do a lot of, um, research, you look around and see what others have done, but then you want, you really want to come up and you want to do something that comes from the mind as well. So I end up going back to pen and paper and I've done heaps of sketches of just, you know, in my mind, what I think will look good for that style of car. And then you might change something else. So I've got like a, like a scrapbook that's just pages after pages of, kind of like renders of what I think it should look like. And you may just, uh, you know, you grab some tape and then just have a quick play 
and just see if it works out on full size scale, you know? So yeah, you, you burn through a couple of rolls of tape, but it's worth it just to see uh, in, in full scale how it's going to look. And yeah, you, you kind of, you don't make things, well, you do make things up along the way as you go, but it, it's, it's more of a case of you'd, you'd plan it out before and have at least 80% of it, a roadmap in your head as to where you're going, because it all plays a part when it comes to, are you using like a heavy flake that needs to go down first? Are you just using like a, maybe a heavy silver metallic and everything else then follows on from there. So on his card, you know, we wanted to do something that really popped in the sun. So we decided to go with tropical glitz, um, platinum plus, which is a, you know, it's like a 0.8, quite a coarse flake, not the coarsest you can get, but, you know, in, in the sun, it kind of catches pretty hard. Um, so we, we laid that down on the sides uh, as in as far as the door and the quarter panel and we went across the top of the roof and then, the you know, the boot, the trunk and everything else then goes on from there. So then you're masking up. Um, well, hold on. Let me just let me go back because I make that sound way too easy. <laughs> Once you've done, obviously, your body work and you've got the car straight, that's the because if, you know, if the car ain't straight, then you know, you're pretty much wasting your time. So once the body work is done and the car is in primer and it's blocked down and you're happy with, you know, it's, it's nice and straight, uh, you then pick out which panels are going to get flaked. Now there's different ways you can flake. You can use a dry flake gun, which I haven't had that much experience with, and I'm probably going to try and give that a go on my next one, or you can suspend it in either a clear or, you know, an intercoat, um, say a binder or an intercoat clear mix. And that's what we did on this one. We laid down a silver base, laid down the flake. Um, and then you have to do a couple of rounds of clear to really be able to bury the difference in, um, uh, I guess, deviation across the top. You know, if you run your hand over it, as you'd imagine, it feels rough. The first round of clear pretty much locks that in. And then you're going to knock that down and then go over it again. And your second round pretty much buries it for you to then be able to mask over. So you can't feel any high spots of flake, which are standing up. And plus when you do your first round, you don't really want to make, um, you don't want to cut it back too coarse in case you clip the top of the flakes. So you want to make sure you've got enough clear on there to bury it. Um, so that was pretty much the first round. Once you've got that down, then you can kind of start masking up patterns. And on that one, if you look back over, say my Instagram, my marked out the patterns and then covered them up and then the rest of the car was painted and then the patterns are revealed. So they're pretty much blank, but they're silver flake. And then I go back over it and then I start introducing all the different colors. And on this particular one, I've done like a, a two candy fade where it's um, red into orange and it fades into the middle into a, a gold kind of yellow pearl. So it's yellow from the center and it goes out and gets darker towards the edge. And there's, yeah, there's, there's little bits like that on the car that you probably wouldn't notice unless you're down on your knees and you're catching it in the light on the angle. But yeah, it's got a couple of nice little touches like that on this one. Um, so yeah, and every, every step of the way, um, you know, if you've got lines, you're clearing over them to bury them, flat them down and yeah, just trying to make everything smooth. So it's a process and maybe unless you haven't seen it before, it, yeah, it, it takes time, but yeah, I do take my hat off to the guys in the States who've been doing this for 30, 40 years and they can they can bang out jobs in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I've been following this caddy and I'm like, fucking hell, he's going again. He's going like every every week there's another layer. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's um, it's like a, it's like a cake. There's another bit going on and another piece, and you know, there's there's parts to the build that I haven't, I haven't shown yet, but we'll reveal that at the end. Um, yeah, there's there's a few things going on. So, are they mainly think... your um, members within the club? Is that mainly how you dedicate your time? Um, no, I mean I'll, I'll dedicate my time to any job that comes my way. It just so happens that this one fell at a time where I'd finished another job and, you know, my Andrew was like, yeah, you know what, let's, let's get the car done. Let's get it in. So yeah, it's, it's whatever the job requires really. Yep. Yeah. The other car that we said we wanted to bring up, I know there's a, there must be a backstory to this one. So I wanted to talk about it was there's a green Impala on your page is what, what, I don't know what year that is. Is that a 63 or something? 64? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a '63 Impala. That's um, that's Chris. Um, so that car there, Chris contacted me back in twenty. I think it's like something like 2014, and he said I want to put together a team um, to build this car in memory of his son who passed away from leukemia at the age of six, and he wanted to really uh, go to town on this car, and it be a rolling uh, memory of his son. So I immediately jumped on and said, yeah, I'm down. He had seen a couple of jobs that I'd done in the past and he'd, you know, I guess he'd been secretly following me and he reached out to me and said, do you want to be a part of it? So, you know, I, I didn't hesitate. I said, yeah, most definitely I'll jump on it. Um, it his son, his son's nickname was, was Little Hulk. Um, and I think he asked him, you know, if we do paint this car, you know, what colour would you like to paint it? And I think he said green. So that that pretty much said it from the start. Um, the car was going to go green. At the time, I was bringing in some candies from the US, um, a brand called All Candy, and the the clears as well, the wet wet clears. I was bringing them in for a short time, and one of the colours, margarita lime, caught his eye, and he said, "You know, I definitely wanted that colour." So that was pretty much set. The car was going to go in a uh, green candy, and then the bootleg got airbrushed by a guy over here who's. Uh, he, I guess he, I haven't seen too much of him since he um, airbrushed. I think he's still around, but he did a nice mural of his son. And sadly, his dog passed away at roughly the same time as well. So there's a picture of his dog on the back there as well. Um, but yeah, we put many hours into that car, uh, even before I got my hands on it. Again, as you know, cars that look good, when you actually get into them and you start taking them apart, that car, I think, needed like two quarter panels. It may have needed some floor work. Um, it was pretty bad when the, when the when the panel beater got hold of that and actually started stripping it down. It really revealed some bad rot. So that kind of prolonged things on the body side where it needed that extensive um, love just to try and get it to a point where it was, you know, even ready for some general body work on the rest of it. So once that was done, um, the car came my way. So it was primed up and then... I, you know, blocked the whole car down, went over any few bits, re-blocked, re-primed again. And yeah, we we spent a good few months taking the car to and from my workplace. Um, you know, did the jams first, did the dashboard, put it all back together, did the top of the roof and like an ice pearl white, um, did the outside of the car and then brought it back, chopped it back. And then after a while, you know, we let it gas out and then flow coated it. And all that was probably over, or probably a space of maybe eight, 
yeah, I'd say probably maybe eight months, seven, eight months, you know, still maintaining a day job as well and doing bits in the evening and weekends. Um, and then he's only really just got it on the road now and he's really enjoying it. It's, um, yeah, it, it turns a lot of heads. And again, he's put a lot of engraved parts on that, the bumpers, the chrome, uh, engraved and gold chrome. Yeah, that's really something to look at. But it's nice to see a rolling tribute and a reminder that we've done something for who now is he's turned into a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's, he's a really good friend. And that's the thing about what I do. You always end up um, friends with people who you've, you know, the cars you've worked on. It's it's pretty cool how you create a bond and you get to see the cars around because Perth really isn't that big. And then you go to a car show and you did see maybe three or four cars you've touched, which is pretty cool for a small place. Yeah. yeah. And it must have been pretty, pretty touching, you know, having that backstory as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, something that people always ask when they see the car, we go to a show and, you know, we, we take the cars cruising and people want to know, you know, what the story is behind the, the airbrushing on, on the back of the bullet. And yeah, it's good to know that I, I played my part in it and I've done something that's um, yeah, really heartfelt and touching for him to always take out and remember. Yeah, I like that. Um, you you touched on the wet wet clear clear and, and those products. Are you still you're not still bringing them in? No, nah, that line in the states discontinued. Um, that that was a product line that I was looking at years ago, and I really liked the look of it. And I hadn't seen anything really that was given that kind of level of gloss. So I decided in the early days of um, re, me really getting into painting candies to give it a go. And the guy actually said, no, look, we don't, we don't ship to Australia, but I jumped through enough hoops and I worked out how to get it over. And I, I used it on my own car and I loved it. And I saw a bit of an opportunity. So I said, you know what, why don't we, uh, you know, bring a small batch in, but, you know, over time with Perth being kind of tight knit and small as it is to try and introduce another brand into a small, uh, community of painters i guess or even nationwide because i have you know it did go across the country um it was pretty hard it was pretty hard to take off so in in a nutshell it didn't really move um so i didn't go down that route again and bring any more in but it was enough to um you know have a taste of another brand and see what it has to offer and yeah, yeah as far as the wet wet clears there were yeah you know five different clears there were you know, from medium solid to uh, like a 53% high solid. So they gave off like a real good um, distinction of image. And yeah, I mean, I've still got a little bit left for myself and I still use them on little jobs here and there. Um, my car was done in it and it, you know, it still looks wet after seven years on my Lincoln. Yeah. So what would you say to that product's not around? What's your preferred paint brand then at the moment? Um, preferred, I guess... Uh, on the on the caddy that we're doing now, I've used DNA properly for the first time on a large scale. I've used one of their candy concentrates and, you know, a few little bits before. And that, you know, alongside House of Colour, pretty, you know, it's it's pretty good value for money. And I like the DNA clear. Um, is it my preferred? I wouldn't say it's my preferred. I mean, I'm still to do a full-size job in House of Colour. And give that a go but i feel like i have to adapt to whatever the um whatever the budget is of whoever i'm working for you know if it, if we end up going with dna then i'll make that work or if it's house of color you know i'll make that work or you previously all candy 
Um, but for my for my line of work, what I have noticed is like House of Color, um, they pretty much have got it all covered in terms of thinking about the, the, the type of work I do and the products they've got available. Um, yeah, I mean, it, they, they, they're hard to beat really in, in terms of a company that's been around for that long. So I'm looking forward this year um, and ongoing jobs to really give their products a go and see what I can come, come up with. Yep. So you're just dealing with uh, Park Automotive? Are they the distributor? Yeah, yeah, Rachel at Parks um, for House of Colour. And then we either go local, uh, you know, like Premier Paints or, um, you know, we get it directly from Melbourne, from DNA, you know, when it comes to what we need. If it's anything specific that might not be stocked on a shelf, you know, we'll, we'll just get it ordered in. So, yeah, back to your question, do I have a preferred paint? No, I don't really. Uh, even if I'm doing a clear over base, um, you know, my, my local supplier has Valspar. You know, I think I think that, that gets the job done. I like that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to work with anything. <laughs> yeah. And then what are you, what are you shooting the what are you shooting the paint with? What kind of guns do you use? I've got an array of guns. Um, starter jets. Um, I've got a couple of uh, I've got three thousand and a five thousand. Um, which some of the guns I was still using back in the UK. Um, you know, if you look after them, you know they'll they'll go forever. Um, I have a GTI GTI Pro Light, which kind of for me that's like an all rounder gun that will do everything. It's it's small, it's light in the hand. Um, I used to be a mad Sarta Jet fan, and I kind of still am, and I want to give the fifty five hundred a go. But you know, I I feel now that if you can really, you should be able to pick up any gun and just be able to go with it. Like I've got an Iwata W four hundred, and that one there I'd pull out for like the real fine metallics because it just lays it down so nice. But then if I want to put like a real nice wet coat of clear, I know that my you know, my, my RP5000 is going to really do the job for me, especially if you're walking down the side of um, an almost six-meter Cadillac or a Lincoln. You know, I really want that wide fan and I want that flow. So I feel some of the guns may struggle a bit and the the starter jet gives me the just the volume and the the nice wet coat that I, I prefer um, to go on with. So, yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of mini guns as well. I've just recently got a LPH eighty I water, and that gun's blown me away for just the the air consumption that it uses is minimal, and the amount of paint that you use is incredible. So even though it's a mini gun, that that at the minute is my favourite gun. That's in my number one spot uh, as far as guns. Yeah, so yeah, I haven't had a chance to use none of the Walkums yet. I've heard they get a pretty good rap. But yeah, we'll see. I think with the guns I've got now, I'm pretty happy with. Uh, if if I if I do end up getting another one, it may just be that that fifty five hundred, the Sarge. Yeah, yeah, they're a good gun. Yeah. And you said earlier on you managed to pick yourself up a set of big kid blocks. Did you, did you want to touch on them at all? Like how that's changed your game at all? Yeah, yeah. So I got the uh, I got the initiation kit, and that has a I think it has a, a set of maybe six blocks in it from i think the 24 inch 18 um i think it's got six or maybe a couple of others and well, i was a bit of a dura block fan before i did the uh i did the 63 impala with the dura blocks and they got the job done they really did but i think when you go from a foam block to an acrylic block you just get that extra cut 
And if you'd never used one before, you just wouldn't know the difference. And now I'm kind of thinking, well, how did I ever do it before? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, big kid blocks and the acrylic style. You have to be a little bit careful that you don't dig into the, the corners and you don't, you don't cut in too sharp. But if you're aware of that and you're, you're paying attention and watching what you're doing, yeah, they're, they're a really useful tool um, from start to finish. You know, you get everything guy coated up. It cuts it and it doesn't tell any lies. It's it's real sharp, and um, yeah, looking forward to maybe even looking at the um, the linear blocking tools. Um, that's another brand that I really want to, you know, have a crack at and use the different types. So I've got the uh, I've got the detailer kit from Big Kid Blocks as well, so they'll come in handy for all the the, the small little nooks and crannies that you can't, you know, it, a larger block isn't suitable for. So I'm looking forward to using that mainly on the on the polishing side when I get down to it on the caddy and yeah, cutting it back. But they've been very very useful uh, at this stage now where the car's painted and I'm getting ready to cut it back for a flow coat. Um, yeah, they really cut that material down flat and sharp. So yeah, it's a big thumbs up from me and a shout out to uh, Big Kid Blocks. Nicely put. Um, and you also also mentioned before you have a Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I I had a Lincoln, but I wanted a Cadillac. <laughs> but uh, at the time, the Lincoln was around, and it was local. I got it from um, you know it was about half you know even half an hour, twenty minutes away from where I live. Um, it was an eighty-six town car, and at the time it was on twenty twos, so it had that big donk setup going on <laughs> yeah um and i knew straight away that was in the direction we were going with it so you know I, I i picked it up and the the wheels came off and then i ordered up everything i needed to get nice and low as we do so yeah i was rolling around for a bit um i mean that car's been juiced now for a good 10 11 years it's one of i'd say probably the one one of the longest serving low riders out here on the west coast uh for the amount of time it's been juiced um you know, it was just a, a clean car. It had a bit of upholstery work done in the States before it was imported over. Um, nice nice to ride. Nothing um, really that needed doing with it apart from just the service. And I got stuck in into making it what it is now. And after a few years, decided to, you know, strip it all back, gave it a new vinyl roof and, yeah, painted it up and, went full on with the patterns across the uh, top of the roof because it's got a it's got a half vinyl roof on my one it's a signature series so the front half of the roof is um you know it's metal so that's all patterned out and that all flows down into the boot lid and yeah that that involved again <laughs> a fair few hours that I didn't count I should have counted but I didn't <laughs> it's it's blue what what blue is it um that is a Chrysler blue I ended up doing that in a just a yeah, clear over base at the time. Um, okay. And then I've got uh, a couple of all candy, uh, north side blue candy running through the patterns with uh, gold leaf and yeah, just some other uh, flakes and that running through the patterns top and bottom. And what's the ruling on hydraulics here in the West Coast? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nanny state. It's the, um, it's, you know, you can't have your car any lower than 100 mil off the ground. So, yeah, I mean, for us with the low riders, you know what? It's, 
you've got your car juiced and you just you just watch what you do. We're we're low and we're slow. We're not we're not out there being reckless. We're not out there hooning and doing mad burnouts. We're you know, we're we're the cool guys, man. We're just low and slow. We're just dipping and having fun and parking up, you know, Sunday cruising. It's it's a bit of a vibe. So far things have been cool. Touch wood, you know what? Um no no real hassle from the cops. We're we're I ain't say much more than that. <laughs> what I do like about the lowrider culture is you guys go all out and the cars look so amazing, but then you freaking drive the wheels off them as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, any any chance we can there, we're going to get them out. Um, I like to get mine out more than I can, but, you know, most of my most of my time is taken up, you know, with doing these jobs. But, yeah, we've got guys who are fresh in the scene at the minute and all they want to do is drive. And like we say in, in the lowrider game, until the wheels fall off. And that's what we do, man. We just, yeah, yeah, any chance we can get, especially, especially in the warmer weather now, you know, around Christmas time, um, you know, having that kind of time off, get the cars out and just enjoy it, just meet up and ride. Um, yeah. Yeah, Very no aircon though, <laughs> no, no aircon. But yeah, some do. Some guys do. But my Lincoln hasn't had aircon. Yeah, since yeah, since I got it. Is it retro air make a good fit that you can retrofit to some of those classics? Yeah, yeah. To the uh, a lot of them cater for the Impalas because they're very popular. You know, everyone wants a six four, six three, you know, six two. You know, that's, that's the iconic low rider. Um, I I prefer. I'm an eighties kid, so I prefer. I prefer the the Lincolns and the Cadillacs of that area, you know, like from from the late seventies, you know, up to like you know late eighties. That's me. I, I like that. Um, you know, the, even even the G bodies. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big Lincoln and Caddy fan. That's where you can find me. Um, yeah. And they all come, you know, aircon from from factory and just uh, just a lounge, just a lounge on wheels. <laughs> So Michael, Michael Bigwood, Biggie, he's a he's a good friend of ours. He's he had that Lincoln. Obviously, he's got another one that he's doing. But he's mentioned how hard things are to find for the Lincoln versus like a six four. Yeah, yeah, and he's. Um, I mean, I take my hat off to him. The the car that he's decided to build because the, I guess that's his that's his his love. Uh, the Continental. Um, yeah, you, you're going to find it hard, especially in Perth as well. I think. Maybe there might be more that flow through the the East Coast if you're really looking for parts. But I know he did a trip, he did a trip over to to, to the states to um, get everything he needed or as much as he could um, and bring parts back. But that's just you know if if you're taking on these type of cars, you have to be mindful of that as well. That you're not just going to go, you know, and be lucky enough to maybe get a barn find and take the parts off that. It's it's really the the heartache of if you've got a project car, you may have to expect that to be off the road for a good few years before you can get everything you need. Whereas the Impalas and that, you know, there's there's um, Impalas that were Australian delivered. So, you know, the, the parts are pretty much interchangeable when it comes to maybe some of the trim or bits you need. But uh, yeah, as, as far as like the Continentals and some of the Lincolns, probably most of them are all imports, I'd imagine. And yeah, yeah, you're going to find it a lot harder to get what you need to get it back on the road. Yeah, and you'll be fabricating a lot of panels. Yeah, yeah, that that as well. I mean, and then it's it's finding it's finding the people over here as well who could do that kind of work if you can't do it yourself. Um, yeah, but that's that's just another that's just another heartache that we have to go through over here. So, for those listening in the, in the US, you're very lucky. <laughs> yeah.
So he, he took his family over for a nice family holiday and these dumpster diving at these wreckers, cutting off quarters and sending them back to Perth. Yeah, I don't blame him. I'll be doing the same as well. <laughs> so what would you class your dream car as? Oh, I'd say for me, um, I like I like the two-door Continentals. So it'd have to be either a, you know between an 80 or 83 Baby Lincoln. That's right. probably my dream car. Um, so you could say I'm almost driving it. I've just got two extra doors on the town car. You know, yep. uh, but for me, it's that eighties flavor. It's the um, it's it's the it's the plush interior, the pillow tops. Um, it's it's the you know the just the whole look of the eighties where it was just luxury. It Were was they class. still running suicide doors on your one? No, nah, no, nah, mine's a town car, so mine's just got the regular opening doors on mine. Um, I think they stopped that just on the on the earlier sixties um, Continentals, but. The yeah, the baby Lincoln is pretty much. I think it's the same Panther chassis as my '86 Town Car, but it's um, yeah, just a two door version. It's got the hump in the boot, you know, with the Continental. And yeah, for me, that that would be the dream car if I can get like an '82, '81 to '83. Um, yeah, baby Lincoln Continental. That's what I'll All cruise. Right. That's cool. That's different. Yeah. All right. Um... I might wrap up there. I think I've taken enough of your Friday night. Do you want to let everyone know where they can find you and and your social media and all that? For sure. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can find me on there, The Candy Facts. That's the, um, the underscore candy with a K underscore F-A-C-T. Uh, that's all linked to my Facebook as well. Or if you want to hit me up on email, it's info at thecandyfactory.com.au. Awesome. Um Thanks for joining us, man. It's been a blast. Oh, thank you very much. First podcast. Thank you. <laughs> All right, dude. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Cheers. See ya. Bye. See ya.